Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. If this is your first time here or you're joining us online for the first time, welcome. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View, and I am so glad that you've joined us this morning. We are, we're in a uh, sermon series called um, How to Thrive in a Corrupt Culture. We've been going through the book of Daniel, and uh, Daniel was a prophet of God. He was uh, born into royalty in Jerusalem. He's an Israelite, God's chosen people, and, um, but his life wasn't a life of royalty. Uh, in fact, he was taken into exile as Babylon came and conquered Israel, conquered Jerusalem. That first three of three exiles, the first of three exiles, Daniel was taken from the royal palace, out of royalty, and taken to be a slave, a slave to the king of Babylon. Most of Daniel's life and what we've seen has been horrific. This poor guy was taken from his home. He was brainwashed in the school of Babylon where they taught all type of mysticism and magical arts and all these astrology and different things that were, were pagan practices. And, you know, for him, that was terrible for anybody. That'd be terrible, but for him, especially being a prophet of God and, and being chosen this way and, and being in, in God's chosen people group. So um, he's had a rough life. Daniel's had it rough, and it doesn't get any easier for him as he's in captivity and exile. Last week, we saw that uh, the ba- Babylon was conquered by the P- Pedo- Medo-Persian Empire, and um, that was a prophecy we saw early in the book of Daniel. One of, the, one of the overarching themes we see in the book of Daniel is the power of God. We see that the Bible foretells the future, that God knows what's going to happen years and years down the road. You know, uh, Daniel was taken into exile when he was young, probably a teenager, and we're going to find today he's probably late 80s, early 90s. And what we've seen over his entire life is, is God being challenged by pagan kings, and Daniel being told to do sinful things in the eyes of God, Daniel refusing to do those things, and then God swooping in and protecting him, caring for him, making a way for him, and we've seen miracle after miracle in Daniel's life. It's been really powerful. Nebuchadnezzar was that first king. He saw and recognized the power of God and then began to worship the one and true God. Amazing things, and we're going to see God's favor continue on Daniel as we look further into the book of Daniel. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Daniel chapter 6. We're in Daniel chapter 6 today. Well, it's Memorial Day weekend, and it is, it is awesome that we can gather today. We have the freedom to gather today as a church. There's many places in our world today that uh, God's people don't have this kind of freedom. I mean, they get up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and, and go to some warehouse in a downtown city somewhere, hiding in a basement so that they can worship God. We have Christians that, that when they get this book, they tear it up page by page and dispense it throughout the congregation. Those people are responsible to take those pages and memorize them and then get rid of them, never to be seen again, or else they'll be killed. But we have that freedom. But freedom comes at a cost. Memorial Day is remembering those who've given their lives for our freedom, that we can do this today. So I just want to take a moment on Memorial Day and just a moment of silence and, and just to remember those who've given their lives so that we could gather as a church today. Can we do that? Let's just take a moment of silence. Heavenly Father, we thank you for those 
who've given their lives for our freedom. Bless their families. Be with them. Give them courage in your grace. And Father, as we've gathered this morning to open your word, to praise you in, in, in words and songs, and then praise you with our hearts and give you our hearts, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do the work that only you can do. Right now, begin changing our minds and changing our hearts with and for your truth. We surrender to you, Father. We say, come and have your way, Father. May we walk out of here a different person than we walked in. For your kingdom, for your glory, and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's pick up our story here in Daniel chapter 6. It says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom, satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one. Already, I mean, I think it's, it's important we take note of this, already we see God's favor on Daniel. This other king comes in and conquers Babylon. Who knows what could happen? I mean, most of the time when a conquering king would come in and he saw somebody, you know, who was high up in the kingdom before him, they'd just kill him and they'd replace him with their own guys. But here we see God's protection and God's favor. So of whom Daniel was one of these officials, to whom these satraps should give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. That's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault, because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. I'm going to stop us right there. Um, as you came in today, uh, you should have received a program. In there, there's some notes you can follow along with, and there's some fill-ins. In the first fill-in in today's notes is this. A corrupt culture wars against the righteous. A corrupt culture will war against righteousness. Now, just a quick side note before we jump into the meat of this section. Daniel's well into his late 80s. Some even estimate that he was in his 90s. And I just want you to know this is good news for, for all of our seasoned saints out there today. Just because you've re retired from your vocation doesn't mean you retire from your devotion, right? We have a lot of seasoned saints who love Jesus. And I want to tell you, as we've been reading this story about Daniel, we're going to see what he does in the lion's den, what God does through him in the lion's den. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. Retirement isn't the end game, right? As Christians, God has a plan for our entire life, not just our working life. Amen? It's awesome to see I was able to go to our senior community group and, and lead the senior community group. It was awesome. 
we have an awesome senior community. It's one of our largest community groups, and it was great to share God's word with them and hear the wisdom that just pours out of them. There is something about a lifetime of experience in God's kingdom. Man, it's amazing. If you have a chance or you have an opportunity, I'd encourage you to find one of our seasoned saints and say, hey, could we get together maybe once a month, grab some lunch, or could I come over, and could we open God's Word together? I'm telling you, you would be, it would be a huge benefit to you. I guarantee it. So I just wanted to put that out there as we're reading about Daniel, who's like 92. You know, It's like our Jim Marshall, 92, or I think he is. So just really excited for our seasoned saints in that. So anyways, we see that these guys, these leaders in this, this Persian empire, couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel. There was no wrong he had done. It would seem that Daniel was a nice guy, in power and wise in his old age. He had found favor with the king, but that was enough to breed horrible jealousy among the other leaders in this Medo-Persian empire. Now, if we're going to thrive in a corrupt culture, we, like Daniel, have to run after righteousness. We have to be a people set apart to play a part that God has set for us. And the only way we can be ready to play our part that God has set for us is by pursuing a continual relationship with God and peace with those around us. It's amazing to me to see a guy like Daniel and all the things that God has done through his life, to see a guy like him make no enemies around him. Think about that. These guys were just jealous. He wasn't making enemies because he was spouting off at the mouth. He wasn't making enemies because he was going against king's orders. These guys were just jealous. They were jealous of God's favor. They were selfish, self-seeking, and that corrupt culture around him made him a target. The only way they could bring Daniel down was to persecute him based on his religious beliefs. I think it's really important that we recognize that. The only way they could bring Daniel down was to persecute him based on his religious beliefs. Now, when they went to the king, they went to Darius, and they said, listen, all the leaders, all the leaders in your empire, O king, have agreed upon this one injunction that all should worship you for 30 days. You're going to be God for 30 days. We think that's a great idea. Every single person in your whole kingdom agrees with this, except for who? Yeah, they didn't go to Daniel, did they? The guy that the king's about to set up as the, the number one guy, they didn't talk to him. But they go to the king and they're like, everybody, if you notice, they named all kinds of names, not just the, the, the two names that the king had before. You know, they're naming all the guys. They're going down, they're going from president to city officials, right? They're naming all of them, but they hadn't talked to all of them. The only way the corrupt culture could get after this righteous man, this, this man who was in relationship with God, pursuing relationship with God continually and had a faith in God that bred a faithfulness to God was to come after his religion. To come after the things that set him apart from everybody else in his culture, his relationship with God. You know, 20 years ago, if I wanted to bring this into kind of today's society and kind of make it applicable for today, 20 years ago, I would point out like a communist country for a current day situation regarding this point. But today, we need only look to a current bill trying to be passed here in America. Or we could look to our neighbors in the north, Canada, where there's two 
Baptist pastors in prison right now for something they said and by meeting as a church. When governments legislate against religious freedoms and specifically Christian beliefs, I think it's important for us to realize our battle is not against flesh and blood, but of powers and principalities. You see, if we, if, we, if we start to fight this battle and we see people and we assign a face to this evil, there will be a hatred bred in us, an anger, an animosity towards a person, a person that God has called us to pray for and love, a person that God loves, a person that God is reaching out to with his love, grace, and kindness, and mercy to save it's easy for us to get caught up in this, this culture war around us and start assigning names to it or assigning political parties to it or assigning whatever it may be and putting a face to it. But we have to remember God loves people. And let me just say it this way. God loves sinners of which you and I are. Can somebody say an amen right there? God loves you and me, and he loves them. God loved Darius. And the crazy thing about this, as we think about this and look at this, what we learned about the entire relationship of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, which was like our first whole first chapters, I think it was, is that God, what we found out was God was after Nebuchadnezzar, this hateful, evil, pagan king who, who threw guys into like fiery furnaces and, and wanted to tear people limb from limb and was a conquering, horrible guy. God, through Daniel, revealed himself to Nebuchadnezzar. And in the end of his life, what did we see? We saw Nebuchadnezzar on his face before the King of kings and Lord of lords, worshiping him as king. You see, we, we can't get caught up in this, this culture battle where we throw names and put faces to these things. What we have to get caught up in is the spiritual battle. And God is calling us to fall on our face and fall on our knees and pray and pray for those we disagree with and pray for those who are going against God's word that God would reveal himself to them, that God, by the power of his spirit, would change hearts. Only God can do it. And I'm telling you, church, this is not a battle we are fighting with flesh and blood. It is a battle that's being fought in the spiritual realm, powers and principalities. There are things that we don't see. But if we read this book, we'll understand are going on behind the scenes. We have to love those. Love those who persecute us. Pray for those who persecute us. Share God's love with those who want to harm us. That's what God calls us to. That's what God is calling you and I to. We cannot be a witness to a people we hate. But we can be a witness to those who hate us if we love them with the love of Christ. And that's the model that God's given us, isn't it? The Bible says that before Christ came into our lives by the power of his spirit, we were enemies of God. We were enemies of Jesus. Isn't that crazy to think about? That before Christ went to the cross and gave his life, he saw my face, he saw your face. 
And we were his enemy. And he said, I'm going to die for her. I'm going to die for him. Even though, even though it's their sin that's caused me to be on this cross. I choose love. We, like Christ, our example are to choose love. Those who do not know God will not live as if they do. They will not legislate as if they do. In fact, they will rebel against any truth God has given and eventually persecute those who do honor God and live according to His Word. That's why in 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17, God's Word says this, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And really, that's what we've seen in the life of Daniel, isn't it? That's like, that First Peter verse, verses are like the life of Daniel. Man, if you thought that the Christian life was all rainbows and unicorn, you are in for a rude awakening, Right? When you become a Christian, there's, there's a lot of people that think when you become a Christian, man, it's, it's all easy going, right? It's all, they, people quote verses like, his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, and therefore your life is going to be just amazing and great. And there's some truth in that. That's, that's kind of a partial truth because what's going to happen is there's going to be persecution. And there's going to be things that happen in your life that you don't understand, that you really struggle with, that are difficult to walk through. But here's the difference. When Christ comes into your life, he empowers you, strengthens you, encourages you, and walks with you through the fire. Just like we saw with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they got thrown into the fiery furnace, it wasn't three guys, it was four. Jesus was right there with them. And he is right here with you and with me. Amen? That's the good news of Christianity. It's not that you're not going to run into hard things in your life. It's that you're going to have the creator of all things who's providential and sovereign over all things walking alongside of you. You are not alone. And it's in that, knowing that we walk this life with the creator of everything, his spirit in us, that we can walk through those things. That we can find things like a peace that surpasses understanding. Who needs that right now, amen? Man, I need that. We can walk through things with a faith that's just people don't understand, that God gives us. You know, if we're living out our beliefs, we will be persecuted. If we're living out our beliefs, we will be persecuted just like Daniel has been persecuted. So let's learn from how Daniel deals with this. Pick it up in verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. 
He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had previously done. You might want to underline that, that end of verse 10 there. It's really important. Verse 11, then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered, they've got him right where he wants him, right? Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, No, O king that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Man, Daniel has found some serious favor with Darius, hasn't he? Darius really likes Daniel. The second filling he notes today is this. A corrupt culture does not determine our obedience. A corrupt culture does not determine our obedience. Now, there's two takeaways from this section I really want us to kind of wrap our minds around. The first one is this. We don't obey sinful commands. We don't obey sinful commands. We do what God's word tells us to do, period. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. We do what God tells us to do. When anyone tells us to do something that goes against God's word, we don't listen to them. We listen to God. He is the one true authority, the one true power we submit to. Now, Daniel now, this is interesting. Daniel didn't flaunt his obedience in the face of his enemies. He used wisdom about it, but he did what he knew was right. And there is a difference, right? There's a difference. He was in his upper chamber, not out in a field in front of all these enemies of his, or he didn't go into the king's chamber and be like, yeah, you can say whatever you want. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going I'm to pray right here. He went to his house, He went up to his upper room, his upper chamber, and then prayed there three times a day. Daniel didn't flaunt it. He didn't hide it either, though, did he? I mean, he didn't hide it. He went up, he opened the doors, and he prayed right there. Now, obviously, he could be seen, but he wasn't being rude or obnoxious about it. Now, there's a lot we can learn from Daniel when it comes to going against a corrupt culture. And we've seen a couple times now, as Daniel had to go against these pagan tyrant kings, Daniel used wisdom and winsome language. Remember earlier when he refused to eat the king's food when he first moved there? Nebuchadnezzar wanted him and all these other exiles that had been brought to eat the king's foods, that they would look good and, you know, everything else when they were in the king's court. 
But Daniel, according to God's word, wasn't allowed to eat that kind of food. And so he goes to this leader who was supposed to enforce this, and he makes a deal with him. He doesn't spout off at the mouth. He doesn't say, I, you're not, not going to make me do that. I'm, no. He used winsome language. He was nice. He was gentle. He went to him and he said, hey, listen, let me and my guys, let us just eat some, some vegetables and have some water. And all these other, other, other guys from other countries and other things you've conquered, you can let them eat you know, the king's food, but let us eat vegetables and water. If we don't look just as good or better than these guys, we'll eat, we'll eat the king's food. Well, that's winsome. I mean, that's, that's trusting God to make a way for you, right? It's I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to walk the Lord's path. But I'm going to do it in a winsome way. We can be obedient to God and not cave to culture in a winsome way if we are kind, gentle, and wise. Now, we may get thrown in a lion's den, <laughs> right? But we can walk in righteousness. Now, the second takeaway is this. To thrive in a corrupt culture, we need to do what Daniel did. What did I have you underline there? Daniel prayed and gave thanks three times a day. This was his daily practice. Three times a day. Now, now hear me on this. I'm not saying you need to pray and give thanks three times a day. We aren't Daniel. So we may do, need to do it 10 times a day, right? No, here's the point. Daniel lived his life in constant communion with God. He lived his life in constant communion with God. He dedicated his life to a relationship with God no matter what his circumstances were. We need to, no, we have to do whatever it takes to continue to grow in our relationship with God, just like Daniel did. Now, this is not, it's not a point of legalism. It's a point of love. It's not a point of legalism. It's a point of love. Daniel wasn't legalistically getting down on his knees three times a day, giving thanks to God three times a day. Why was he doing it three times a day? Anybody want to go for this one? Because he desperately needed God. He was in the midst of enemies all around him. He was under the thumb of a horrific leader and king in Nebuchadnezzar and then Nebuchadnezzar's grandson and son and now this Darius of the Mede and Persian Empire. These were conquering empires, horrific tyrant kings who tore people limb from limb, threw them into lion's dens, threw them into fiery furnaces. Daniel was in a position in his life where he was desperate for God. Now here's what you need to know. You are in a position in your life you are in a situation where you are desperate for God. We just don't think we are. We live this life and we have insurance for our cars and our homes and our lives and our health and our everything else. And we have savings accounts and we have retirement accounts and we have investment accounts and we don't need anything. And Satan has us right where he wants us. You think you're any different than Daniel is? We're not. We are living right now in a corrupt culture that is trying to kill us. 
And we can pretend all we want, that it's all roses and everything else. But I'm telling you, it is not. There is a battle going on around us that we can't see, but we are truly aware of. Now, here's the good thing is we know who wins, right? We don't need to freak out. We don't need to be full of fear. We can be courageous and excited because we know who's, who wins, and Jesus is coming back, and we may see that in our lifetime, which is awesome, but Jesus is coming back, and he's going to win. So we can be courageous and we can be excited, but we have to realize where we're at. We can't just fall asleep on the sidelines while this enemy behind the scenes is trying to destroy, steal, kill, and destroy. When's the last time you prayed and gave thanks three times a day? And I'm not talking about lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right? And like I said, we're not Daniel, man. Well, I should probably be doing it 10 times a day. No, we need to live a, relation, a life in relationship with Jesus. And it's not legalism, it's love. Think about it this way. Do you remember when you first met your spouse? Nick, you remember when you met Ashley? She's awesome, right? You see her, you just flipped upside down, and you were just, right? We meet, we meet our spouse for the first time, and it's over, right? It's love at first sight. I mean, you want to talk to them 24-7? You're calling them on the phone? Anybody here ever fall asleep with the phone on your face? Right? And you're talking to them, and well, nowadays you're texting them, and tweets are about them, and you've got to develop your entire Instagram page for them and about them. You have special photo shoots that you set up because you want to look like this romantic couple or whatever it may be. I mean, your life is dedicated to them. You are cultivating this, this intimate relationship that you're hoping turns into a marriage and kids and everything else, right? It's love. You're giving your life. You're giving your time. You're giving your talent. You're giving your money, your finances. I mean, you're going out on dates every night. You're just going after them. It's not legalism. It's love. And Jesus... Jesus, who left heaven because he looked down and he saw your face. The gospel, this Jesus, isn't some ideology. He's a real person. And when he left paradise to come here and put on flesh, he personally saw your face. And he said, she is mine. He is mine. And I'm going to give my life away for her, for him. This isn't some ideology or theology that you can wrap your mind around. This is a real person, a real God who wants to be in intimate relationship with you, talking to you every day, meeting with you every day, with you every minute of every hour, of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, of every decade, of your entire life. This isn't some made-up fantasy fairy tale. This is real relationship. 
It's not legalism. It's love. And when we see the gospel for what it is, really what we see is Jesus for who he really is. And I don't know about you, but when I see that and I understand that, I wrap my mind around that, I meditate on that, I just want to spend time with him. I just want to open up his word. I want to read about him. I want to get to know him more. I want to sing more worship songs. I want to pray more. I want to give thanks more. That's what we're after, Mission View. That's what we're after. We're after real relationship with Jesus Christ. Our lives poured out for him. Pursuing Jesus. Now there's, there's some practical, biblical practices to growing in our relationship with God. Let me give some to you. There's prayer, going to church, worshiping, giving thanks, serving others, using the gifts God has given us for our brothers and sisters in Christ, fasting, reading, memorizing, meditating on, and preaching God's word to ourselves, giving of our time, talents, treasures, tithing, fellowship with other believers where we're challenged, held accountable, and encouraged, communion as we gather as the saints, and remembering the sacrifice that Christ has made for us. These are all biblical practices that we can do to, to grow our relationship closer and closer to the Lord. God has given us so many avenues to strengthen our relationship with him and grow in our faith. Let's be a people in passionate pursuit of Christ. Amen? Just like Daniel was. Let's pick it up in verse 19 here. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared Dan to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Now notice that the king has said continually about Daniel's relationship with God. Constant communion, isn't that cool? Even the king sees it and knows it. And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me. Because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded that those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Isn't it so cool to see these kings that don't know God, that have this crazy pagan worldview come and see the miraculous works of the one true God, and they just end up worshiping God. 
And when those kings begin to worship God, what happens? Their entire kingdoms are called to worship God. It's not just the king. They're making decrees to the entire kingdom. Hey, everybody, you all need to worship the one true God who delivered Daniel from the lion's den. We saw it over and over again, didn't we see it? In the fiery furnace and the eating of the food and, and everything. All these miracles that God has worked in the life of Daniel. It's awesome. Man, Daniel's got friends in high places, right? I almost was going to sing that song. We got friends in low places, whatever. Daniel's got friends in high places. It's not what you do. It's who you know. Because who you know, when we're talking about Jesus, determines what you do. What Daniel did got him thrown into a lion's den. But who did Daniel know? The lion of Judah. That's why I called this one the lion in the lion's den. In our obedience to God, we may not get thrown into a lion's den in America, but we may get fired from a job that wants us to lie about a product or a performance. We may get ridiculed by our peers who want us to join in cheating on a test or at a job site. We may be harassed for speaking the truth about human sexuality, abortion, or any other moral issue that our culture is trying to destroy. Our obedience to the Lord's commands will not make sense to the culture around us. When we choose to not live together before marriage or to stay pure or abstain before marriage, people look at us and ridicule us. We cannot expect the culture to agree with us, but we don't have to endorse or encourage sinfulness. In fact, I believe we need to speak the truth in love, kindness, and humility when given the opportunity. Our responsibility in all of this is obedience. It's obedience. The outcome is not our responsibility. God takes care of that. And like I said earlier, it may mean that we get thrown in the lion's den, but God is with us, just like he was with Daniel. As we close out this section of Daniel, there's something I, I want to point out. Daniel looked to us to be fearless, right? But I believe it was more than that. I believe Daniel put his fear in the right place. Daniel feared the Lord. Not in some, oh, God's going to come and get me, or he's going to kill me, or he's just this tyrant God up there who wants to rip people limb from limb. No, in a sense of awe kind of way. That he had this understanding or revelation of God that was powerful, that encompassed his strength and might and glory. Daniel saw God for who he was. He controlled all things that all kings and all kingdoms succumb to him, obey him. Daniel had, man, Daniel had this God-given faith. Faith in God enables faithfulness to God. I think that's kind of, if I could summarize this first six chapters of Daniel, I would say faith in God enables faithfulness to God. Let me just ask you this. Do you want to live out your life like Daniel? 
Nobody? Okay, there's some, there's some, not, there's some, hey, okay. Do you want to live out your life like Daniel? I do. I think we have to. I think we're in a position that we have to. So I would say this, give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. You say, I have given my life to Jesus. Give him more. Give him more of your life. Our every day, step out in faith. Step out in faith. Maybe it's serving in the church, or it's raising your hands in worship, or singing out loud, or going on a missions trip, or reaching out to your neighbors with the good news, or starting to tithe and trusting God with your finances. Take that leap of faith, just like Daniel did over and over again. Let's not forget the king's dream, that Daniel comes right to the king, and he goes, I'll give you the interpretation all right, let me go pray about that, right? The guy who's ready to tear him limb from limb, literally he says, I'm gonna tear you from limb from limb. And Daniel says, I'll interpret the dream, not having the interpretation for the dream, and goes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and says, we gotta get on our hands and knees. We gotta put our faces to the ground. We gotta pray about this. I just told the king how to interpret the dream. I am sure in that moment, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, what? What are you thinking? He's already gonna kill us now. What do you think he's gonna do to us? No, they went to God in prayer, and God did miracle after miracle after miracle. Man, what a story. What a story we have in Daniel. Now, you may be sitting out there, and you're going, man, Matt, we've had six weeks of sermons, and I'll tell you what, they sounded similar, right? I mean, if you really think about these first six chapters, it's, it's a tyrant king, it's God's people, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's a king telling people to sin. It's these guys saying, we're not going to sin. And it goes back and forth, back and forth, and got this miracle, 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 right? It's, it's like the same story over and over and over again. These first six chapters are pointing us not just to the faithfulness of Daniel, but even more so to the power of God. Okay, that's what we have to wrap our minds around right now because the next six weeks are going to be going to flip us over on our heads. I'm just telling you that. It's going to be crazy. It's about to get crazy. You ready for some crazy Bible stuff? The next six weeks. Okay, apocalyptic literature, end times, telling of the future. We've just gone through six chapters of God saying, I'm God. I'm powerful. I know the future. I tell the future. I plan the future. I know everything. I know all things. I can change the hearts of tyrant kings. I can protect my people. I am God. And now over these next six chapters, God's going to tell us our future. Written, written thousands and thousands of years ago. That's why these first six chapters are miracle after miracle after miracle because God is telling us, I am God. No one is like me. No one tells the future. No one plans the future but me. If God is, is powerful enough to pre protect Daniel from brainwashing and a mandatory diet, if God is strong enough to save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from a fiery furnace, if God is great enough to make a hand appear on, right on a wall and allow Daniel to interpret, if he, he gives dreams and interprets dreams and he foretells the future of kingdoms and kings and we have seen it all come to pass, then he's powerful enough, he's great enough to fulfill what we're about to read over the next six chapters. Can I get an amen? That's what this is all about. So over the next six weeks, and it's going to be great. 
It's going to be awesome. And uh, I cannot wait to, to hear the next sermons. Um, so fasten your seatbelts, okay? All right. Well, as I pray and, and close out uh, the sermon time, I want us to really, really wrap our minds around this faith and faithfulness. And really, faith, faith doesn't come from us. Faith comes from God. And each of us, you and I, we are desperate for a fresh revelation of God. It takes God to know God. And we are dependent on Him revealing Himself to us. So I want us to pray, and I want you to pray this week before you come back next Sunday. Pray that God would just reveal Himself to you more and more. And encourage you to take those leaps of faith. Take that leap of faith. Step into what God is calling you into and see what God does. Because where we're going, not just as Mission View Church, but where we're going as a people, as where humanity's going, is that we are going to see Jesus face to face. And we need to be ready. So let's be a people of faith. Amen? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this example of just a powerful life, but even more powerful than that is a powerful God who stepped in over and over again, supernaturally making a way for Daniel, turning the hearts of kings. God, we recognize your greatness. We recognize your glory. We submit to you, Father. We lay our lives at your feet. We say, have your way, not our will, but your will be done. We surrender to you, Father. I just pray for everyone here listening to this, everyone online listening to this. Father, give them courage to take that leap of faith, to trust in you with the things that they hold dear, to, to start that new ministry that you're calling them to, to go on that missions trip that they've been talking about or wanting to go on. Give them courage. Give them faith that comes from you. And God, we trust you. And we say, help us trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song this morning.